welcome to the Hungry Authors Podcast. A hungry author is someone who is, quite simply, hungry for it. They're willing to do what it takes to achieve their writing dreams. If that resonates, you're in the right place. I'm Ariel. And I'm Liz. We're two book coaches, editors, and writers here to help you get there. We interview experts and chat about all things publishing and writing to educate and build a community of successful writers, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Hungry Authors Podcast, everybody. Today is a very special, fun episode, especially for me, because we have my original Hungry Author. (laughs) Today's guest is Brittany. She and I got connected over two years ago when she came to me with a book idea, wanted to work on a proposal, and we got down to it and she basically walked through exactly what ariel and i now teach everybody through our courses and book and all that kind of stuff so welcome Brittany. we're so excited you're here to share your story yeah thank you so much for having me i kind of feel like it's a badge of honor that i'm the og like i should get a button or something to wear (laughs) i know you should okay so let's start at the beginning tell me let's like rewind back to whenever that was 2020 or something, you had an original book idea and came to me. So tell me what that idea was and you know, how that all started. Yeah. So it actually started, we have a mutual friend, um, Jess Connolly, and I was at a retreat because I'm a life coach there. And I was talking with another coach, like we were doing some peer coaching together and I was trying to explain urgency to her. And so I was telling her about this time and my past and going into detail about some women that I knew and how they were stuck and all this. And I was getting pretty heated about it. Like when we were done with it, she was like, Brittany, I think there might be something there. And I was like, Oh, you're right. I think there is something there. And so that course of the week and I thought this is it. And it literally was like, here's the idea. Here's what we're going to do. And I don't know where to go from here. And so Jess was like, well, here's Liz's number. (laughs) reach out to Liz and go from there. When I reached out to you, my original idea was helping women. I think it boiled around worth. Yeah. Just this grand topic of, mm-hmm. yeah, of worth and how do we get them to move from that? And I laugh at this now because this would have been the worst book ever. Not on worth. Worth is a great book, but we were going to do it the first half of all the negative sides of it. And then the second half was going to be all the positive sides because I wanted them to feel the weight of it and then feel lighter towards it. Just a bad concept right there, but you love me through it. <laughs> and we, we ended up shifting it from worth to now it's more of flipping the narrative. So we talk about five different areas that people really struggle with in the lies that they're just succumbing to and believing and accepting as truth. And how do we flip that into something true and faith-filled and positive? And worth is one of those, but it's not the whole thing. Right. So you had an idea. We, you and I refined it to some degree together and did the whole proposal process. We, whatever, did the whole front half, wrote up the sample chapter, And then you wrote up a query letter and you started sending it out into the world. And it didn't take very long before you got connected to the agent who sold your book, right? Right. Yeah. You prepped me. You said it might take a while. (laughs) It may take a moment. You just 
go one after the next. And I think we did some, we masked it to a few and then a few more, but I think it was two months before I, we stopped it in March. And then I had a contract in May with my agent. Wow. And I remember you came back and this is how it often goes is you'll hire some help or get an expert to help you with your proposal. And then you start shopping around and you often start getting some feedback from the people who start looking at it because Mary. Yeah. She was my agent at the time. Yeah. So Mary, she, I think was the one who started the flip the script language, right? She saw it and was like, this is great. Let's keep refining it. So we went, it went through another round Mm -hmm. of edits before it actually went to out to editors to publishing. So tell me what that was like, that other round of refinement with Mary and what she saw in the idea and how she wanted to talk through that a little bit. Well, that part was maddening. And I think you're asking this question because you remember those boxes that we (laughs) had back and forth. So I was like, is this normal? I don't know. Um, And you were just very much like, yes, it's going to change. It's going to change a lot. Even the title may change three or four times from this point. I think truthfully, what Mary wanted to do was to see one, how willing was I to work and to change things? Or was Mm -hmm. I dead set on this is what it's going to be? And if so, was this a hill I was going to die on? And she was going to say, peace out. Because in reality, another book on worth was just by a no name person was not worth it. it was not something to jump on. But what was I really trying to get at? Like, what was the heart of my idea? And as she was asking those questions, I would say those things. And really one day I was frustrated. So I'd come back to you and be like, what? I don't know. This is driving me nuts. I blah, 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 all this stuff. And then I'd go back to Mary and I was like, okay, here are these things. And I just said, the root of it is I want them to flip the script. And I remember being like, Ooh, I think there's something there. And I was like, say more. (laughs) help help me help me help myself what what am I saying (laughs) so then it was just kind of oh now I need to shift my perspective literally flip the script on my idea and say this is actually what I'm trying to get the women to understand now let me come at it from that angle and once we kind of did that it just started falling into place so I had to of course rewrite my proposal some rework that and I funneled that through you. Like, do we still think this works? Do we still think these pieces work together and stuff? So frustrating, but we did it. That's such a great example though, too, of how often this ideation process happens in community with people. Sometimes it's other authors and friends and trusted people that we know. And often it's also professionals who are in our sphere. I'm curious, Brittany, did you shop those possible ideas around to a lot of your friends? Like what was, what was the feedback that you were getting from other people at the time? Well, everyone said they love the idea, but also they're your friends. So they're kind of like, this is fantastic. You should do this. Ah. And it wasn't, I mean, a lot of the actual professionals were kind of like, this is overdone, which I get it. But I, at the same time, I was kind of like, yeah, but I know I'm supposed to write a book. So we're going to do this so, <laughs> kind of thing. I was open to feedback. Anyone who would give me feedback, I'd take it and like, okay, let's see where we go from there. But they were just kind of like, eh, it's overdone piece. I thought, well, that's awesome. Cause that means you're not my fit. <laughs> so. That's interesting. So, I mean, did you talk about the fact that other people had said it's overdone with Mary? Did she kind of help you figure out, okay, let's, let's find a more unique angle. Or did she say like, I don't think it's overdone. We're just, we just need to find the right publisher for it. 
She agreed, like, this is kind of tricky just because of my platform size. But what I appreciated with her is she saw something else in me. And that's what I was hoping on, that someone would bet on me because they saw my personality. They saw that I was willing to work and do things. And I was like, just give me a shot and I will work my heart out for this idea. But I just need someone to take a chance. And someone like everyone needs that first person to take a chance on them. So I was like, I will be your first person. So she believed in that. And then I think. I kind of earned that respect by being willing to navigate that idea. She wasn't just sitting in my lap. She was making me work for it. And was I going to work for it and shift and do things? Or was I just going to be frustrated and be like, I'll submit it to somebody else. This is the idea. That's, I think that's that her ability to want to do that is what made me want to work with her even more because I thought she wanted such a good idea. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, definitely. And that willingness to work hard is exactly why you are the OG hungry author. (laughs) (laughs) and that ability to walk the line between I have this idea it's really important to me and I have a goal of writing a book but I'm not going to be so hard-nosed about it that if anybody wants to change it or has any kind of feedback on it I'm not willing to refine it and and shape it because you know Ariel and I talk a lot about how creating successful books or books that people want to buy and go on to create help people build careers out of if that's what you want. It's walking this line between creativity and marketability. Mm-hmm. You can have a good idea, but you have to run it through some filters like Mary did, like those other agents and editors who you submitted to. They're thinking, do people want this? Has the, has this been done? Has it been said in this way? Has it been said by someone like this? Mm-hmm. And I love that you are, you're just looking for that one yes. All you need yeah. is One, yes. You know, it's easy to think of agents and editors as not always real people, you know, maybe like these like gatekeepers or like black holes of the internet sitting behind some submission page, but they're just people who like to connect with other people. Like there's something about Mary and something about you that didn't connect with all the other agents that you submitted it to. And you found your yes. And then of course she saw in you that incredibly desirable trait in a publishing partner that you're willing to be flexible and you have certain non-negotiables around your idea, but a lot of it, you are willing to listen to her expertise. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what agents and editors want. So Brittany, tell us how that one yes happened for you. And tell us about the process of Mary actually sending your proposal out. We're going through this right now. So I'm feeling the anxiety. I'm like, I have so much more empathy for my authors now going through this process ourselves, but tell us what that process was like for you. Well, after we got it all tidied up and beautiful and pretty and ready to submit out, Mary sent me a list of the publisher. So what we did is we sent out to a few, not all of them, because in case we needed to pivot at any point, we didn't want to just burn all the bridges. So we sent out to a few and then just kind of waited. And she sent me that list and it feels weird, almost like you're pregnant, but not pregnant. You know what I mean? Cause you're just like, it's going to happen, but then you don't like, you don't know. So the world is going on. Like everything's fine. People are mowing their lawns and doing all this. And you're like, my book this proposal is in the world and nobody understands. This is a beautiful moment. And then the waiting comes and the hardest part is hearing the no's because Liz prepped me for this. (laughs) You will have no's, which is obvious. This is life, but 
again, you just need one. Yes. I think the first no is always the easiest because you're just kind of like, I mean, I heard I hear no's, but I had quite a few no's before I finally got a yes. And that's when it's frustrating to be like, okay, is this really something valid? Is this worth it? Is this actually the project? But I think we submitted in July, which is honestly not the best time to submit. So I feel like no go learn that afterwards. was kind of sad about that choice. We submitted in August or July and I had a contract in September to sign. So, I mean, it still wasn't even that that's fast that, that long either. Yeah. I mean, our agent said if it takes three to four months, that's pretty good. Did the publisher have feedback on that idea too? Did they kind of come in and say, Hey, this is great, but we still want even some more changes. I expected that, but I did not have that with my publisher. I expected, I mean, we shifted the subtitle some, but honestly, that was my suggestion. So I didn't work too hard to be married to a title because Liz has kind of prepared me that up until the very last second, like people are going to be changing it. And so I thought I'll hold that loosely until the end. And Mary had come up with a different subtitle and I was like, okay, we'll just send this out. And then we'll wait until the big dogs tell me what they say. And then I'll speak my piece. So we kind of shifted it the last minute, but everything else, when I did finally write the book, there were shifts that needed to happen. Like put this story here and change this part out, but overall theme and stuff they wanted me to run with. And I thought, wow, okay, (laughs) let's do it. That's awesome. And how validating to have that feedback and know like, okay, this process we went through was worth it. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is I think that's actually a testament to how strong that proposal probably was that the editor that that acquired it didn't have that many changes she or he wanted to make to it. Who is your publisher? Leafwood Publishers. Cool. And how has the problem or how has the publishing process been with them since that point? Um, I mean, it's been great. Like you said, like you said, you get the contract and then you're like, I have to write the book. That was probably the scariest piece for me because I kept focused on fighting so hard to actually get the contract that when the contract came, I thought, oh no, do I have this many words? (laughs) I really just was kind of like, okay, we'll take this one chapter at a time and write the book. So I submitted that in March of last year, March of 2021 or 2022, you know, you go through the rounds of editing and sometimes it makes you want to bang your head against the wall. And other times you're like, yeah, I agree. That needs help. But really in the end, I just had to focus on, they want the best piece of work out there. And I have to trust that they know more than I do because I don't know a lot. So I'm going to be like, here's my idea. Fantastic. You make it shine really well and we'll go from there. So I think one of the biggest things that we had to fight for, which sounds so silly, is my cover design because my cover actually has me on the cover, which feels very weird and yeah, just weird at the same time um, as cool. But I'd only seen famous people on covers of books and things like that. And I had a lot of people say, are you going to be on the cover of this book? And I thought, this is so weird. Why would you ask that? Of course not. Like, why would I be on the cover? And then my agent said, I think you totally need to be on the cover because you embody what you're asking people, like what you're speaking about, the freedom and things like that. So my publisher gave some pushback and that's when you have a great agent because they fight for you in areas that sometimes you want to roll over because it's scary and you don't know that area of the publishing world. And they say, no, this is worth it. So we told them to give us a shot and we 
spent a day taking pictures and my fabulous friend, Allison Rogers, who's a professional photographer, took this photo and that's where we went from that. And it's incredible to think that it would have been anything other than this cover, but had I not known or fought for it, then it might not have been what it is now, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Allison is cool. She's taken one or two of our courses, I think. Actually. I know. I connected you to. She, she was one who said, hey, I think, are you the Brittany they're talking about? Because <laughs> I went back and listened to the episode. <laughs> I was like, yes, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay. How much time did they give you, by the way, to write it? Um, I negotiated six months. Did they want it faster? No, they, they were okay, okay with slower. I was like, I'll give it to you in three, which honestly, I'm very thankful they did not agree to. Because then like I ran the New York City Marathon and then it was Thanksgiving and Christmas and the new year. And I thought, oh no, I'm so glad I did not say three to that. But I was maybe a little too hungry on that one. And it's fine. And I think that happens a lot that authors are yeah. really excited about the idea and they just want to get it out there. And I think all of us are maybe a little bit overly optimistic about our time the time that we have in our lives that is free and available to be used for the hard work of writing a book. So yeah, it almost always ends up taking longer. Yeah. Your publisher probably heard you say three and they're like, mm, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give you a little more time. Yeah. Right. But I did turn it in on time. That's a win. Yeah, so you yeah, did. that was my goal. Let me just do what I told them I'd do. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. And I just want to point out to people that Brittany turned in her first draft a year ago and it is mm -hmm. just now publishing, which is God. how it goes. I mean, that is yeah, no, nobody understands that. Like when you tell them you wrote a book, they're like, and what is it coming out? I'm like, not for another year. And I think that's the part that we just think, like you get a contract, you write a book here, it comes out. But really there's a lot of work that happens in between and a lot of just frustrating small steps that have to happen. So then you can have this, like, this is the week my book is launching into the world, but I've fought for two years, over two years to make this happen. Like it's a culmination of all of that. Yeah, definitely. I want to point out a couple of things in your story that people often get hung up on. Mm -hmm. Number one, you had, you had an online presence. You had a really great looking website. You had maybe a couple thousand Instagram followers. Mm -hmm. You had a coaching business and a couple things, but in general, you didn't have anything. You weren't like an influencer. Let's big say and that. flashy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You weren't big and flashy. You had a few hundred people on your email list. Cumulatively, you had a few thousand social media follows, but you didn't have a huge advantage in that regard. You also, Mary pulled your proposal from her slush pile. You didn't have a warm connection to her, did you? No, uh-uh. So your proposal landed in her digital inbox or wherever submissions go, just like people do all the time. And she pulled it because it stood out to her. And I just want to make that clear to people because I think Warm connections are always great. If you know somebody, always ask for an introduction. It's a great place to start. But I tell people all the time, agents sign from their slush piles. They do. If you have, I mean, Ariel, you know this, you've done it. 
like you've signed lots of great people from your slush pile. I know it can feel like it's going to some digital black hole or something, but if you are confident in your idea and the writing and the quality of your pitch, agents read their own stuff. So don't underestimate just submitting the way that any normal person would. You don't need special access is my point. You don't need, you know, some of these things that that people think it takes to get past the gatekeepers. Not always. Now, you know, again, we'll, Ariel and I will always make the point that it helps. It does, but it's not necessary. And you can still find your right person, your right connection. You can still find your yes by submitting the normal way and just having a lot of gumption and a great idea. Yeah, actually gumption is my word for 2023. So I just feel like <laughs> it is one of my favorite words of all time. Right. I know a lot of people are like, what does gumption mean? I'm like, oh no, where have we gotten to? <laughs> Doesn't it just make you think about scene in the holiday? It does. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah. I love that. So okay, Brittany. Tell us where that hunger comes from for you. Like, tell us more about how you've kind of cultivated this drive and this gumption in your life. I mean, you are a coach for women, so I imagine that's part of it, but tell us more about where you think that hunger and that drive comes from for you. I think really what it came down to is who I was writing this book for. And that was what was at stake. If I didn't write this message, if I didn't get this out, then what would be affected by them? Like what would be their loss? And so it was worth it to me to look a fool, to hear the no's, to do all these things because I was fighting for them. And I had to keep that in perspective. So a no here for me, that's fine. As long as the end game meant at some point, we're going to get it out. It was never past the idea of self-publishing or anything like that. I just felt a piece about, let me try traditional first, and I'm going to do what it took to do that. So I, when I took it away from, it wasn't just Brittany writing a book. It wasn't about the fame. It wasn't about the prestige. It wasn't about anything. It was for my who, which I highly suggest people being hyper-focused on. Then it kept me focused on not worrying about the rejections or the setbacks or the frustrating in-between periods and stuff. So that's just really what I had to fight for. Not about me and my, you know, embarrassment or my whatever, like I was fighting for them. I love that so, so much. And so was publishing a book, something that you had considered and contemplated for a long time, or like you mentioned that, you know, it was your friend at this retreat, put that idea in front of you and, and said, you should do this, but had you already been considering that and feeling like that was the next step or was it, was it something you kind of decided, you know what? Yes, I should just do this now. I mean, I think for a couple of years before that, I'd felt like, okay, I'm going to write a book. And I just could never settle down on an actual idea or a direction. It felt really nebulous and nowhere I could, I pin down like a theme or I'd try to stick to a theme and it was just too themey. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't right. You would laugh at the ideas. It wasn't until that moment where it all kind of clicked like, oh no, this is the direction. This is the actual book idea but it always felt frustrating years before I didn't understand how I was going to get to that point or what it was going to look like. But the moment that I knew it and I felt it, I was like, I will not be deterred from this. This is the direction. And I was going to take all the steps that were necessary. So I made choices of slowing down my coaching business, staying laser focused so I could get this proposal together. I don't know if you know the Enneagram, but I'm a seven wing eight. So when things get hard or they're less flashy and fun deuces, I'm out. And I was like, I will not. (laughs) 
do that. I'm going to stay focused on this. And I literally would put pictures up on my wall of the women that I was going to be writing to. So I know when I showed up that day, this is who it's for. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to do this. That was where it shifted for me. So I think the moment it clicks for you, there's something in it that you begin to fight for that's outside of yourself. And I didn't have that years prior, even though I thought, like, I think I'm going to write a book one day. I just felt it. It wasn't until 2020 when it clicked. That's such a great point. And I do think that timing is a really undervalued aspect of publishing. I really believe that there is a right time in everyone's lives to start pursuing a book. And there are times when you just don't have the right idea or it's not the right idea for that time in your life, or it's not, you know, it's just not the right moment for whatever reason. But like you said, when that right time comes along and it just collides with the right idea and you are the right person to write it, it opens up all of the doors internally and externally. It opens up the door of your motivation to say, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I know what I'm trying to accomplish and I'm going after it with everything that I have. And I think the thing that people need to remember is just because the right idea collides with the right time and doors start to open, there will be friction and you have to decide, do I want this? And will I fight for this? Because just because it's the right idea and you think this is golden and beautiful, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be smooth sailing from there. There's going to be some pushback, no matter where in the process you, but you've got to set, you know, yourself and be resolved to the idea that I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow through completion. Like there's something there with that. Definitely. Yeah. I love that mentality. We sometimes use the phrasing I'm going somewhere you can come with me or not. Exactly. (laughs) And I think, you know, that's what agents and editors are looking for a lot of times in authors. They want someone who gives off the vibe of, I'm doing this. You want to be a part of it? So many pitches and proposals, whether it's explicit or not, they come across a little bit like, please pick me, pick me, please give me a shot. And you can be feeling that internally all you want. Ariel and I have felt that plenty in our publishing journey. But what you really want to get across to, you know, agents and editors is more of the feeling like, I've picked me and I'm going here. Do you want to be a part of it? You know, and give them this feeling that you're going there and do they want to like jump on board? So you wrote it. How many rounds of edits do you think you went through after you submitted it last March? So we went through, I think three rounds, you know, the big idea round, then we had some copy editing rounds and then we got to see a proof of it to see how it was laid out and stuff. So three or four rounds, I would assume. And then you went through the cover stuff that you talked about, and then it's coming out next week. It is. So what have you, have you done anything around book launch? Like, tell us what I know the actual, I've heard from a lot of authors that the actual day can feel like a little anticlimactic, kind of like when you said your proposal was out in the world, right? You're just, right. it's also digital and distant. You're just sort of like living a normal day, but it's like, <laughs> exactly. Well, I am set to make that not a normal day. Okay, good. good um, I think the thing that has helped me through the process is celebrating the small wins. So like when I finished writing my book, we went out and got a piece of rainbow cake because I don't. Mm-hmm. there's a long story with this publishing process and rainbows and blah, 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 lot, lot on that side. Clearly my rainbow sign behind me. And so I just found small wins. So 
on launch day, we're literally treating it like the day a baby is born and we're going to celebrate and have balloons and a party around it because something huge has actually happened. Like this process that has been two years in the making, this book is out into the world. People get to read the words and not that they're my words, but they get to begin their journey to freedom. And that feels really huge and fun. Getting to launch day is like preparing for your wedding. <laughs> you're right. so excited for the wedding day. And then you're like, but all these things have to be in place and I need to order enough flowers and I need to do this. And just like that, I, do people know I'm launching a book? Do they know what's out into the world? Oh my goodness, let me jump on this podcast. Let me do these things. And I would say that's probably harder than writing the actual book is launching it out into the world. And you don't think that's possible, but it really is possible. Brittany, so back up for a second on your platform. You had a couple thousand Instagram followers when the book signed. While you were writing the book, were you also continuing to try to build your platform at the same time? Yes. So I didn't push as hard. Actually, here's what had happened. Or for the weeks that I was really hard, like writing the book, I had to shut down a lot of distractions just because if yeah. I was giving all my energy online, then I didn't have the words for the book. And I needed to really focus on that to make sure that mattered. So I didn't show up as much as soon as the manuscript was in. And then I had brain space. I began just started talking about the message, but it wasn't like a hard push or trying to grow or do things like that. So I feel like a lot of times when we work to grow, then we actually don't grow because we're working so hard for the numbers and not trying to meet the people that we're speaking to. So as my social media platform really became just a mouthpiece for what this book was, then I started seeing people and things grow. And I think that's good for people to understand as your book comes out, your following will grow. Like if you're faithful speaking to your message, don't like you've already got the contract. So don't work so hard to grow something that you've already got there. Just nurture it and just start speaking to it. And as you know, it rolls out, people will come in. And I know that's so annoying because I would hear people say that and they'd be like, but I need the numbers now, but it really is true. Yeah. I love that word that you use mouthpiece. That's really what it is. And that's how agents and editors evaluate it. When they look at your platform, they see it just as a megaphone for your idea and a distribution channel for, you know, the books that they want to sell. So talk to us a little bit about, you don't have to say anything things specific about what your publisher is or isn't contributing, but we know and believe wholeheartedly that authors are responsible largely for marketing their own book, selling their own book. You know, I think one of the things people are often disappointed by when they get a traditional publishing deal is your publisher, they'll help you out. They, they're going to allot some marketing dollars likely, but they're not going to be out there doing the work for you. You have to do a lot of that work. So was that either a surprise to you or what did that look like for you? Um, I think it was a surprise to me just because, again, you fight so hard to get the contract and then you think smooth sailing. These right. are professionals. I'm just in charge of this part. But really and truthfully, you're in charge of your message from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot count on them to push it out there. Yes, you know, obviously they're wanting to sell books, but they hired you to do that. They're just kind of funneling, like supporting you along this message. So I think that was a shock. It wasn't a problem for me because I was like, all right, let's do this. I mean, I literally probably told them I would go door to door and sell this book like that. I just needed them to say, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably said that to you too, Liz. I think even so like publishers mean well, uh, mine's, mine's been fantastic and we've been able to partner really well. 
you know, you have to understand that the publishing world is chaotic and things change on a dime. And they've been really good, like helping me through that and understanding and shifting, like, cause nothing's perfect and going to go smooth sailing. But in that they are doing things that have been done maybe in older ways that don't exactly work anymore or may not work to your audience. And you have to know that and know what your people resonate well with and be able to vocalize and fight for that as well. Because then you can say, no, I don't think we need to put money there. I think we need to put money here. Let me show you why. Let me prove this how. And I think if you're not involved in that, then you're going to miss those opportunities. And they may throw their own money at something that's not going to work because they don't understand that it's shifting in a new way or that your people see things differently. So whether they jump in or not, like you need to, you need to know what works for you and come to other people. So I went to other authors who have written books and I talked to them and said, what works for you? What is the market like now? Because we're post pandemic, we're in different places. And I wanted to get as much information as I could. So I could put it to them and say, this is what seems to be working. This doesn't seem to be working. What do you think about us going this direction? And sometimes it worked in my favor. Sometimes it didn't It's to be expected, but you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you never take. So I thought, why not fight for this message? Cause that's my job. I mean, you're describing a partnership, a true partnership. And I do believe that in an ideal world, the relationship between a publisher and an author is a partnership and not just a partnership in like, oh, you're going to handle that and you're going to handle that, but we're going to communicate constantly and establish a strategy together to make this thing we both believe in successful and that we've both invested in. And I think that's when, you know, a traditional publishing deal is not always the best option for an author, but when it works well, it can work extremely well. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm so happy to hear that you, you have that. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel really lucky, honestly. Um, but I think I could have missed a lot of stuff if I hadn't gone into it with my eyes open and just been like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Whatever you think, you know? Yeah. Well, and like taking responsibility for the success Mm -hmm. of your book, you know, and just remembering that you have agency. And I love that it, you talk about it, like your highest loyalty is always to your message and the project that you're working in service of that, which like you said, is, is ultimately working in service of your reader. And it takes really being an expert in your own platform and your own audience to be able to suggest to them, no, I know a better way, or I know what works here. I actually have some evidence of that. Yeah. That's taking real responsibility for the success of your, of your book and not just sitting back and expecting them to do all the work because again, they have marketing divisions, but publishers publish books. They aren't necessarily built out to sell them. Right. A lot of that falls on the author. And they have multiple books that they're, they're working for. Like I'm not their only project. I shouldn't expect to be their only project. This is my only project though. So I'm going to give it all I've got and then just partner alongside them. I mean, with respect, like I do defer to them because they do know more than I do, but I'm going to fight and then you're going to give me some reason and I'll be like, okay, great. Awesome. We'll go with that. Or maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. It's like somebody really early on in my career gave me a piece of advice and she was like, nobody will ever care as much about your career as you do. Mm -hmm. So your boss doesn't care if you have a boss. I know Mary is wonderful and your publishers are wonderful and they don't care as much as you do. You will always care the most. Absolutely. And you 
have the right to care the most. It's your words and your reputation at stake, you know? Right. So Brittany, what advice would you have for authors who are maybe where you were three years ago, where they feel like, okay, I know I've got a book in me somewhere and I'm just looking for the right idea. I'm looking for the right moment in my career or whatever. What advice would you have for people who are kind of on this journey? Um, I would tell them to just be resolved not to quit because it's going to be so easy to want to many times. Um, I think as you start fighting for an idea, then your who, like your reader kind of comes to light. And then when you have that, you have to be resolved to fight for them. So take yourself out of the equation. You just get to be the vessel fighting for this message to get it out. But the more you look at yourself, the worse the journey will be. The more you start looking at other people and how you can help, the easier it becomes. So you just have to know it's going to be hard. It's going to be bumpy. There's going to be huge and beautiful wins along the way. But you have to know that you're not going to quit and choose to show up. Like if you need to quit for a day, fine. I've done that many a times where I'd slam the laptop shut, go cry in the corner, whatever it needs to be. But the next morning I was like, awesome. We have a new day. We're going to start over. Because if you quit, then those people are missing out on your message. They're missing out on this journey. You're missing out on publishing a book. And that would just really be a shame. Yeah, I have a belief that if someone is like you and is a truly hungry author and embodies that resilience and the gumption and the willingness to work hard and the flexibility to take feedback and listen to experts, if you stick with it, there's no reason that in within two years, I know two years can seem like a lot to people, but sometimes it takes that amount of time to refine and to again, implement the feedback, perhaps even do some platform building, experiment with your message. But if you stick with it, all -hmm. you have to do is outlast everybody else. And within two years, there's just no reason why you you can't make it happen for yourself. You just have to stick with Mm -hmm. it. For you, it didn't take nearly that long. I know you told me the two year thing. I thought, oh my gosh, I have to do this for two years. (laughs) I really believe that. I really believe I haven't seen anybody fail. If they give it two good years, give it your whole effort and keep trying and don't give up. I don't care if you've submitted to a hundred agents, submit it to a hundred more. I really believe if you keep going. I just had that conversation with an author a few days ago where she emailed me and was like, I submitted to like 15 agents. I didn't get a yes. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to look into other things. And I was like, no, 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 no. 15 is nothing. You've got 85 more agents to submit to before. I think it's a good idea to look at other options. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, Brittany, you didn't really have to do this very much, but okay. So 15 people said, no, ask them why talk to them, get in, get in a conversation. Okay. So they say platform then say, okay, besides my platform, did you have any thoughts on the idea? Take no. And by that, I don't mean like push back and you know, whatever, ram your way into their inbox every single day. I mean, ask them questions. Always ask for feedback for sure. I think that's one thing that you told me to do. And I think the frustrating thing is even getting the word platform, I would have people say, your platform's not too big or your engagement's not this way, or it's too much this, or like one person would say something and then be negated by the next person. And you just kind of have to hold all that loosely and just know, okay, it wasn't the right fit. You know, platform is in the eye of the beholder, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) It is so subjective. Okay. So your book is called what? Flip the script, make your move from broken to brilliant. And it launches when? March 14th. All right. That's the day after this comes out. Okay. 
Hey, if you're listening, it comes out tomorrow. Everybody, of course, buy the book. That's, I gotta imagine that's your number one ask. What else? How else can we support you? Where do you usually hang out on the internet these days? My favorite place is Instagram, but you can find me anywhere on social media at Estes. So connect with me on there. I'd love to chat with you. Okay, go find Brittany. Buy the book, especially in that first week. It's really important. So everyone- Very important. (laughs) Yes, go buy it. Thanks for being here. This is amazing. Thanks for having me. I love hungry authors. (laughs) (laughs) You inspired, yeah, so much of- what Ariel and I do now. So we're so excited to show you off to our audience. (laughs) Thanks for being part of the Hungry Authors community. If you like this episode, could you do us a huge favor? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at hungryauthors or hungryauthors.com, our website, to get more information about our masterclasses and upcoming episodes. Remember that you have a story and a message worth publishing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen.